I really wasn't sure how to do it. Like, how do you actually leave this culture that's been a part of your life your whole life? I just couldn't envision the practicalities of that. For me, it was a real grieving process. I almost view this like an act of a good Samaritan, helping people down a path that can be really painful and helping them figure out how to make it through. I found this this community and I found a space that's normalized my experience. There are a lot of people who have been down this path before you. There will be a lot of people coming after you and it's okay. There is a light at the other end. We are not intending to talk anyone out of the church. This is for people who've already decided they've left. This is for the wardless. You're listening to Wardless, a post-Mormon field guide, a podcast addressing the challenges and practicalities of navigating life after Mormonism, because leaving the church can be a little bit peculiar. Join us as we explore the path away from Mormonism and examine what it means to be Wardless. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wardless podcast. My name is Oliver. And I will be moderating today's discussion. I am joined by three people today. One of those is Chloe from our regular Wardless panel. Hello. Today we have two guest panelists joining Chloe and I in the discussion. We have Roy. Hello. And Sam. Hello. We'll get to learn a little bit more about Roy and Sam in just a minute. But first, a couple of housekeeping items. We have some new patrons from our Patreon First, McKenna L. Reagan has graciously accepted the call to be our newest wardless greeter. Thank you, McKenna. We are grateful for your service. Second, we have a stateside mission call to extend. And due to COVID-19, our stateside mission calls do remain virtual. So, B.H. Farmer, you have been called to gather the wardless in the Lima, Ohio Poultry Show Facebook page. Motto, no drama, no dissin. Good luck out there. So thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors. We really appreciate your support. And we definitely could not do this without you. So thank you. The one other piece of housekeeping that we have is ratings and reviews on Apple's podcast. Ratings and reviews really help people discover our podcast. A rating is just click one to five stars and takes about 10 seconds. A review is where you write something out. We read every review. So we love the reviews, but at a minimum, go to Apple Podcast, rate us five stars, of course. Um, and if you have a little more time, <laughs> give us a review. We appreciate it. All right. So I think that's all of our housekeeping for today. So today's episode is about how to find community and build friendships after Mormonism. And for this, we brought on two guest panelists who have had unique experiences in this space, and we wanted to kick off and get started by hearing a little bit more about Roy and Sam. Um, I would love to start off with like a quick introduction, um, each of you, telling us a little bit about your past experience with Mormonism and your wordless experience. Roy, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California area, uh, was raised Mormon and was active for 42, 43 years. The last couple of years, I've had my own faith transition and uh, currently have created a new community. It's great to have you here, Roy. Thanks. Sam, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. Um, honestly, had a really great upbringing there. 
Um, about two years ago or so, I went through a faith transition. About that same time, I moved my family up to Washington. And since being there, I have really worked and many times struggled to find that sense of community. But it's something that I actively am working at and am enjoying. Well, likewise, it's great to have you here with us today, Sam. Um, thanks for making the time, both of you. And for those of you who might be new to the podcast who don't know Chloe, our longtime listeners know a lot about Chloe, but I think it's still fair in case, you know, as we're constantly getting new listeners or people who drop in for a single episode. Chloe, tell us a little bit about yourself quickly. Sure. So I am part of the regular panel on the podcast, and I like to refer to myself as the token single lady. So that's <laughs> that's my claim to fame, I guess, on the podcast. Uh, there's lots you can learn about me on lots of other episodes, so I'm going to leave it there. I think that is a great introduction and fair warning. Uh, I do find it interesting that both you and Roy are from California. I was also born in California, and Donna, who's producing this episode, is from California. So Sam is our lone person from Utah. The rest of us Man. are Californians. <laughs> way, to, way to bring the diversity. Also, Oliver, <laughs> Oliver, you are not a Californian, but nice try. <laughs> I am a Virginian. I was born in California, but I'm a Virginian. All right. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to start our discussion today by defining community and defining re- friendship just for the purpose of our discussion. And so I want to throw out there and get your reactions, panelists. For community, I view it as the group of people where we get a sense of belonging. And for friendship, it's the individual people or individual peoples where we feel connection. How do, the, how do those sound to you all for our discussion today? Sounds good. Stay yeah. right on. Mm-hmm. Right on? Okay. Yep. Is there anything that you would add to that, to those ideas? You know, I... I just think it's really fascinating that I, until you said that, hadn't really separated the two. But now that you say that, it totally makes sense. And it's kind of subtle difference, but the difference between community and actual friendship and how those relate to each other. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to explore that. Yeah. Roy, did you have anything that you wanted to add? I I thought you described it beautifully. I, I love that. Uh, to, to me, friendships are personal relationships of connection and and communities a little more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I cannot wait to talk a little bit more about that little more complicated. The other, right, it is complicated. Well, let's dive in. Um, And the first question that I want to ask, and I want to, for the sake of our our guests, Chloe, I'm going to ask you to answer first. But looking back at your wordless experience, would you say that community was more difficult to figure out or friendship? I definitely, for me, I would say community was more difficult to figure out. But as you described it that way, and I'm with Sam, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but I would say friendships weren't super challenging, but community has been very challenging. How about you, Roy? I would say community was more challenging for me to find, uh, but the friendships also were complicated because I have some friendships were able to stay with me as I kind of was transitioning and changing and some weren't able to walk that path. Mm. How about you, Sam? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be the odd one out here. And I'm going to say that for me, friendships have been significantly more difficult to find 
Um, and I think part of that for me goes back to your de- the kind of the definition, or I guess my definition of, of community being feeling like I belong in a group of people and feeling like I am welcome and accepted in that group of people. Whereas for me, friendships are those, I guess, deeper personal connections with an individual that I I have struggled. And I think, and we'll get probably more into it later, but I, I think there are definitely some components to that that I can pinpoint of maybe why that may be. But yeah, for me, friendships have been more difficult to develop since leaving. Thanks for sharing that. So to start us out in the discussion and get to know your individual experiences a little better, I'm curious if you think about the the long hike that was figuring out community and, and friendships, um, what would you say were the big boulders with which you had to contend or that really shaped your path for you in this? And Chloe, do you want to kick us off? Sure. I would say there were a couple of big ones and they, they were hugely impactful in the amount of time I think it took for me to actually walk away from the church. Um, one being a big one being that I was living in Hong Kong when I was going through all of this and my whole community in Hong Kong was the church. And I mean, like, whole community. That's how I met my friends. I wasn't there super long. And it was so challenging to think about not having that built in community. On top of which is being single. I didn't have a spouse. I didn't have, you know, like I didn't Mm -hmm. have a family unit either. And I was totally alone in that sense, living in this foreign country. And so it just, it was, I mean, that was the big one. So in a very real sense, you were alone in a foreign country. And this was your social group. This it was it. Yeah, completely. Totally it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are some. Those are some huge. Like those are some huge factors to consider with your experience. What about you, Sam? You know, I think what has really shaped my ability to find community and friends is the fact that I am in a mixed faith marriage, um, and along with that, wow. I've got two young kids. And so my time to devote to developing community and developing new friendships is very limited. Um, I actually attend church every week with my wife. And so I still feel that a, a, a good chunk of our like couple friends are in our ward. Um, and so it, I think that's by far the, the biggest thing that has really uh, shaped this process of trying to find, find that sense of community outside of the church. Sam, would you say that you're more of an introvert or an extrovert? I am more of an extrovert. I am I'm recharged generally by being with people and being around people. I relate. Um, Chloe, I know the answer, but I feel like I just have to ask. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I am definitely an introvert. Um, that you might be the only one on this discussion. How about you, Roy? What were your big boulders? And maybe start off by telling us where are you more do you see yourself as more of an introvert or an extrovert? I am definitely an extrovert. (laughs) Can I just say, can I just say, as the the lone super extrovert on the Wordless podcast team, Michaela is also, Michaela's a little ambiverty, right? Um, Amy's also an extrovert, I think. But with Kristen, Donna, and Chloe being very firmly in introvert camp, it's good to be with my people. Chloe, I will will do my best to reach out to you all all this time and try not to talk over you. So Roy's an extrovert. All right, Roy. What about you? What were your big boulders? Uh, probably the biggest boulder we had is we had lived in this area for twenty 
years. Wow. And our, we've raised our children here. We had lots of leadership callings in our stake and ended up basically our entire community was our ward, even though we lived in an area where there, I could have made friends with lots of other people that just kind of very much because the leadership callings and different things, most of my time was spent with our ward and stake. And so when my husband left the church, I found myself in completely different circumstances and completely different experiences at church than I had ever felt before. And having my viewpoint, I realized that I no longer fit in and also realized that I didn't belong coming with my new viewpoints and my new ideas that I was having from these different experiences. And so that was very difficult and a long grieving process for us, um, just because of the history that was there and, and, um, you know, not really belonging there. Yeah. Can I jump in real quick? Um, one thing that just popped into my mind as we're talking about this, that I think was a pretty big factor as well for, for me is the fact that, uh, my wife and I both grew up in Salt Lake city and all of our extended family is right there in Salt Lake city. We're kind of the first ones to really, move away from the nest, so to, so to speak. And so having moved up here, it was this pretty intense pressure to quickly find some support system. And I think that's where, you know, obviously the, the our local ward really did play a factor there, but it, it was difficult to, to feel that connection there. And for me, wanting to find people to be able to share my experience with. This idea of looking for that support system or looking for the people with whom you belong, right? That you, you connect with. I'm curious for each of you, was there a point where you felt that shift that Roy mentioned going from feeling like you belong to when you didn't belong? And what did that feel like? Um, I'll, I'll maybe jump in because I think where I'm a little bit different in this from Sam and Roy being single is I think what I realized was how hard I was trying to belong when I didn't feel like I did. And it had nothing to do with beliefs and had everything to do with being single and in my 30s and having a career and no kids. And I don't think I even really realized it and how much relief I felt at a, at a point eventually where I, I hadn't belonged. And I still, what's hard is, is I still don't belong. Like there's still this real weirdness about leaving and we'll get into that later, but finding that where you belong has been really hard. And it was hard when I was in the church. It's just hard. It's, it's, um, it's very, uh, I find myself getting emotional as you talk about realizing you never belonged. You never had that sense of belonging. Um, that's, that's really heavy. That's, that's a really a tough thing. And for me, I have my partner and three boys. And as my partner and each of the boys started going away, I realized, at least in my experience, I didn't really feel that I had a voice. It's like, I all of a sudden I knew what it was like in some ways, Chloe, to be a single woman at church. I realized what it was like to not have that priesthood surrounding you and kind of that power that comes with having members of the priesthood in your family and they're giving you a voice and, and, the ward kind of looking up to your family and going through this, I recognized, I thought, Oh, I think this is what those single women are talking to me about. It's like, I finally understood a little bit. It's funny how much emotion I feel Roy, as you're saying that, because the level of like feeling 
for lack of a better term, just feeling understood is huge, right? Like it's huge. So thank you for that. Yeah. Huge hugs through the hugs through the internet to you. Right. <laughs> you know, I um I I this will probably be cut. But Roy, I re- I really wanted to share. So when Kristen stopped attending, um, I know ex- I know exactly what it's like to feel the loss of station in a ward because I went from someone who had the perfect family to now I came with my kids alone and then without my kids. There's an element of your experience though. I still had the priesthood, and that really hit me when you talked about no longer being legitimized because of the priesthood just how tough an experience that must have been. Yeah. I actually, towards the end, I came home feeling worse going for church every Sunday than going. And that's when I knew like something needs to change. I'm just, Mm -hmm. it's not working anymore. Yeah. Sam, what about you? What, what has belonging felt like for you in a mixed faith marriage still attending church? Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting to look. I've always been very comfortable within the church. Um, All growing up, it was my community. It was my people. I loved it. Um, I had a very good experience with it. And so, from the point that I – when I started going through this process, when I really – I feel like I actually forced myself into what I thought I should be feeling. I feel like I almost forced myself into feeling like, I oh, I shouldn't belong here because I no longer believe. And therefore – I can't connect with any of these people in any way, shape, or form because I'm totally different now. Which, while we were still in uh, Salt Lake, is more or less what I did. I I kind of immediately stopped attending uh, church. Uh, at the time, I was the ward financial clerk, and so it was. I mean, it was a pretty pretty big shift. Um, but then by the time we moved up here, and like I said, when we were alone up here. We didn't have family support structure or anything. And I agreed. I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, for me, two hours out of my week is almost insignificant sacrifice to make to go and Mm -hmm. support my spouse and to help. And it's interesting to see that I actually still feel like I belong in that community. When I'm at church every week, I may not necessarily believe I'm also very quiet. I don't speak up a whole lot. Um, But I still feel that I, on some level, can belong. And I think a lot of that's because I feel like I need to, because I want to be able to support my family up here. But at the same time, I deeply crave that community where I feel like I can be 100% of myself and be open and question and talk about things. I see you shaking your head, Roy. What's going through your head right now? Well, I'm just thinking about that I was looking for a place where I could belong that I had been fitting in for, you know, changing and shaping myself for whatever I needed to do to fit into the community for 42 years. And I was done with that, that I was just gonna, whatever community that I was looking for or building, I was going to be myself. And, um, you know, if they could love me as I was, then I knew that was the place that I could learn and grow. I think that's such a beautiful definition of belonging of like true belonging in a community. If they can love me as I am and I can learn and grow, like I couldn't have said it better. Um, so Sam, I'd love to come back to your story. And when you found that you no longer felt this sense of belonging and were looking for that in-person connection, what did you do? How did you handle that? So I initially was 
content and satisfied with communities I was able to find online, whether that be the uh, ex-Mormon subreddit, various Facebook groups. Um, for a little while, that kind of filled that bucket for me. I feel like, okay, there are other people out there that are like me. I feel like I belong here. Um, but it didn't take very long for for that to start lacking in I guess, what it was doing for me. Um, at that point, I started searching and really craving more, I guess it would be in-person community where I could match a name with a face. Because with a lot of these things, especially the ex-Mormon subreddit, it's very impersonal. You don't really know who these people are. Um, even though you can relate to things they're saying, you don't know who they are. And so that's where I did a search. Um, I'd heard of meetup.com and I just did a search and was able to find a meetup group. I think it's a Seattle area ex-Mormons. And there was a, a recurring monthly, uh, in-person meetup at a little coffee shop. And I was nervous and so excited to sign up for that. And so I think a lot of it was this feeling of there are people around me because mm. up to this point I'd been in I'd been in Washington for maybe two months, not that long, but feeling like everyone here is either an active Mormon or they don't belong to the church at all. So like I was like, who am I? How can I? How can I possibly find someone to be able to talk with? Anyway, so I went to this to this meetup and we sat around a table at a coffee shop and everyone told their stories and kind of shared where they were at and it was this feeling of like honestly feeling of like I'm coming home. Like these are, these are my people. Like I can relate to what's happening here and the stories that are being shared. And there was so much love that I felt from all those people that it was like, it didn't take long for me to request within that meetup group to be, become an event organizer. Cause I'm like, okay, once a month isn't cutting it for me. I want to do, <laughs> I want to do a little bit more and I want somewhere that's closer to home. Cause it was like a 30 minute drive to get down there. Anyway, so yeah, I started um, my own, I guess, mini sub meetup group within this larger meetup.com, whatever. And from the get-go, that was has been an amazing resource. I don't know how much I don't know how much detail you want me to go into there. Can I just jump in, Sam? When you talk about going to meetup.com, it's so funny because just you saying meetup.com, my anxiety like spiked through the roof. And part of it is part of it's introversion, part of it's my social anxiety. And so it's just interesting to go, you, you know, you were talking about feeling nervous. And I was like, Oh, okay. So he probably felt, but then you said excited. And I was like, no, 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 that would not have been my emotion at all. Um, so it's just interesting as far as like the struggles of finding different community, right? Like just oh, yeah. how you're coming at it. But I love that that works for you. <laughs> well, and I was curious, Sam, when you said you were nervous and excited, what were you nervous about? And what were you excited about? You know, I think the nervous, the nerves was a, is anyone else going to sh- actually show up? Am I gonna, just going to go and sit and be alone and be like, oh, mm. this was a bust? And also being nervous because I had no idea what to expect. Um, you grow up in the church and you're always told that ex-Mormons are these scary people. And I'm like, okay, who's going to who's gonna show up at this at this meetup? And so I was a little nervous there and just – it's just the unknown, but then excited for – the possibility that this could turn into something that could fill that need for me. Yeah. A lot of uh, these existing narratives were knocking around in your head. That totally makes sense to me. That totally makes sense to me. Um, So you, 
once you created the second in the month, so this is now semi-monthly, if I get it right, right? It's now a semi-monthly get-together. What happened next for you? Yeah, so I set up, you know, we did a like a, a picnic at the park. We tried to focus it more on this is a safe place for anyone along kind of that spectrum. So like my wife and my kids came. It was like we were wanting to keep this very much like this is much more a let's meet people and not let's share our stories type of a, a gathering. So we did that once now, I think was was neat and fun. Um but really it was just kind of starting to get more involved and trying to get more involved and finding that time to try to start developing a, a, a community um, and more than anything, wanting to make sure that there was a, a, a space for anyone that was struggling with this exact same issue, wanting to make sure that there was somewhere and trying to figure out how to do that. So Sam, it sounds like you're still very much in the process of figuring this community out. Right, Very much you, so. you're 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 experimenting with some things, and you're getting some traction. I'm really curious, you know, what has surprised you as you've gone about this? Maybe something that was easier than you expected, or something that was maybe a little harder than you expected. Well, I can come right off the bat with definitely something that was harder than expected, um, and this actually happened fairly recently for me. Um, realizing that within within the church, everyone for the most part, is homogenous. You're, everyone's kind of got this, you know you all have the same core belief, and it's something you can all rally around. But once you step away from that in the post-Mormon community, you have a whole range of different beliefs and different things. And so, it can cause some tension, and it can cause a little bit of anxiety when you come and you're trying to now get people to come together that now have vastly potentially vastly different worldviews like obviously you have this binding agent of oh we've all left the church at some point but now we all have very different views on how you know, whatever it may be and that that is it's difficult because how do you then bind people together when you mm. no longer have this religion this worldview that holds you together I haven't solved it yet, by the way. I have no idea, but it's something that is has come up recently for me that has been difficult. That's what most people have figured out how to do their whole lives, right? Is how to mm. find those communities where they don't share all the same values. And maybe it's one interest. And that, you know, even as we were talking about just everything was built in, it goes back to, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, just this whole new adolescence that we go through all over again, right? It's like, and it feels like it's happening at every turn with oh, every yeah. new thing is figuring out how to, how do we become, how do we think, how do we develop our own both community, whether it's morals or ethics or whatever it is, it just, it looks so different and I, it's exhausting <laughs> and it's hard. It is really hard. It is. I'm curious for you, um, Roy, Take us a little bit deeper into what it's been like for you. Well, uh, as I said earlier, it just no longer worked there at at my ward. And it was very difficult to step away from that, especially being the extrovert I am without knowing there was some type of community on the other side to hold me. Mm-hmm. And I attended a few things with my husband, um, different communities, and those just 
weren't really working for me. And then I attended this uh, retreat for women called Northwest Pilgrims Retreat that they have every year. And for me, that whole weekend and experience was just so much learning. And I really appreciated the model that they showed of of a community where everybody belonged. And we all had the Mormon background, but there were women who attended who had removed their name from the records, who hadn't been to church in years. There were women who attended who were in the middle of faith transitions. And there were women who attended who I would say knew the difficult issues within the church, but they really appreciated and loved this community. And so having all of those women be in one space and all of their stories held and belonging and uh, just like not feeling threatened by other people believing differently than you was just mind-blowing for me and beautiful. And I came home from that weekend and I said to my partner, I said, that's what I want to do. I really... I said, I want to create a community. I said, I think we just need to create our own community. And you know what? I, you know, ran girls camps of 120 girls and I was (laughs) leadership over (laughs) Relief Society. And, you know, and that's a huge thing that Mormonism did give me is it taught me really well how to organize and bring groups together. And with Mm -hmm. my extrovertedness, that just goes on top of that. So, so I just said, I want to do this. And we started out um, online. Uh, but I, like Sam, really, really wanted to have in-person gatherings and meet people and, and just, I love hugging people, right? So I just mm-hmm. wanted to see some real faces and people behind the pain that I was seeing online and behind the stories that were going on online. So we started this group. It was originally called East Side Pilgrim Society. Meaning the east side of Puget Sound and Yeah, Seattle. east side of Puget Sound. Yeah. 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 And so as we opened up this group and more and more people started to hear about it, we changed it to Puget Sound Pilgrim Society. And we started having family brunches and everybody can be welcome. So that's where we, we went with that. And it kind of exploded quickly. We've been going a couple of years now, but I, those friendships are more deep. That community is super, super deep. You know, Roy, you and, you and, you and Sam both touched on something that I hadn't thought of before, that there is a difference between a support group and a community. A support group you need when you're going through a period of transition or you're trying to figure something out. Um, and it sounds like Reddit may have been a bit of a support group for you at times, Sam, if, 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 yes. if that resonates. Very much so. Um, and then community is something that's a little longer term and it looks different from a support group. Yeah. So our community, well, I would say the people who come to us, some of them might use it as a support group mm-hmm. and then they might no longer work for them. And so then they don't really show up as much anymore, but there's definitely a core community mm-hmm. that has developed from this group. Mm-hmm. So as I look at what, I've tried to build, at least thus far, um, I think it's much more geared towards the more support group end of the spectrum of trying to be there as a place when, because we, we, we've actually had a couple of people that have recently gone through this whole process and needed that group. And it was such a, it's so satisfying to sit there and hear someone be like, I never thought I'd be able to meet someone, other people that shared this. And now I have this. Whereas I feel like the, the, your community, Roy, is, it's really geared almost more towards being that community. And one of the things that I've seen happen um, and I've heard, I guess 
maybe not even seen, I've heard it happen more, is that you'll have a core group of people that will develop this friendship and a sense of community. And that's what's happened within meetup.com. This this meetup group was started like 10 years ago. And as I as I talked to the one of these leading, like one of the founders, he had mentioned that over this time, he has seen these different groups that will someone will come in, start it up, a group of people will form, they'll move off, and they'll move off the platform. And then the platform dies. There's no activity for a while. Someone else comes in, starts it up again, and then they move off. And it's like it's one of these things that I and that's why I guess what I've struggled with the very most is how do you do we do you need to build that longer lasting bigger community or is it more geared towards we need to find this tight you know closer tight knit community and once we have that it's now served its purpose we're going to now move off on our own and then how do you then help people that aren't in that that are still looking for that how do you help them to continue to then build that next wave, that next cohort to move through and build those relationships? I have no idea. I think it just depends on what what the people are looking for. I think there's a need for all of those groups out there. I think there's a need for the place of the support group. I think there's a need for the place of the community. I just keep it kind of pops in my head, you know, that line from Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like people if people need your spaces and you're there in your space people will come to it who also need that space. And just understanding that some of those people may not need that anymore. They might find community or things other places. They may not need that anymore. Uh, our our specific community, people haven't like really like formed other groups and branched off. We've all stayed there. I think we kind of feel like our own little ward. You know, they jokingly call me the bishop or something, but <laughs> it's just, it's just really that. funny. But that it's it's changing. I would say this. I'm we're open to it constantly changing, and it's kind of taking on a life of its own. I had no idea what it would look like, and it's constantly surprising me um, how it's evolving. Roy, as you look back at that experience of building the Puget Sound Pilgrim Society, what surprised you from that experience? What's been maybe easier than you thought it would be, or harder? Well, as an extrovert, I love hearing people's stories and making new friends. So for me, creating a community, it was really exciting. And the hard part for me, once again, was just leaving my community of 42 years. There was a lot of grieving in that process. And even though I was grateful for a new community, I felt a lot of grief and it's been lots of crying and letting go and almost like a feeling of nostalgia comes up sometimes for really what do you mean by that i would call it like i would call it almost like a disneyland feeling you know (laughs) like like a certainty Uh, you have like almost like an ideal in your head of what it was like but then when you go back you're like oh yeah no this doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. so uh, i think sometimes there's just the nostalgia for that feeling of safety and security that that I had when I was in. Yeah. And I think that to some degree, many of us felt, you know, at different ways at different times in our lives. Well, thanks for sharing about that, Roy. Um, Chloe, you know, we've heard from two extroverts who have built community. I'm dying to hear your take 
as you have tried to figure out community and what's been easy and what's been hard and what have been some of those emotional drivers in your process? You know, I'm having some really interesting reactions in terms of how I relate to to yeah. their stories. I and even Roy, I've seen the pilgrims on Facebook and I'm part of the Facebook group and I have like maybe engaged once on Facebook because I think there's part of me that feels like, oh, these groups are just one more time when I need to find some support and I don't fit in. And it's just like being single in the church. And it's just this, this constant cycling of you don't fit in. You need to find new community. You don't, you know, and it just, it, it's like, so it just continues to be exhausting in that way. And that's totally my thing, but it's my thing, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's my thing. And so when I think about um, finding community, the groups that are out there have held almost no appeal for me. I um, just don't have a lot of interest because it's not my type of community event. And so for my experience, with leaving finally, as far as stopping attendance, right, is what I'm saying in terms of leaving. Moving to Seattle was a huge, um, not catalyst for it, but made it feel possible. It was a breaking point. It was maybe. a breaking point. I was moving to Seattle where I had a sibling who was also moving here. I had some other friends who, while Mormon, were very accepting of whatever in our friendships. So it made it a lot easier to go, oh, I don't actually need to go to church. And for the first time, I went to church a couple of times when I got back to the States and it was so painful to go and just realizing that I, this was not my place anymore and that it really hadn't ever been my place, that it was really easy in that sense to walk away from that. So where did you end up finding community? Through, you know, there's been a couple of things. And I would say I don't really necessarily have community. I would also say I don't really necessarily super need it. I need hmm. I need it in the sense that I, I think everyone needs support and everyone needs, I guess, a village. And I'm thinking about it maybe in my own very specific terms. So I would say, like, starting with meeting the folks on the podcast. And that's the size of community I like. Right? Mm-hmm. Six people. <laughs> That's, that's my size community. Um, and so that, and then I, I am much more comfortable going to like activities when there's something to do. So I mm-hmm. took a lot of cooking classes. I've met people through that. Um, and through the podcast, I've actually met a number of people who have reached out and it's been meeting up with three or four or five people, kind of one off, which is more my style and more my, or was my pace pre COVID because I travel mm-hmm. a lot for work. Um, so that's how I found the community that I need for for that level of support. You know, I want to transition a little bit from our talk about community to our talk about friendships. And I'd love to stick with you, Chloe. Could you say some more about your experience making friendships while still active in the church and what it looked like for you? Were you able to carry those friendships and making new friendships as a wordless and post-Mormon person? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think one is a function of being single. The other is a function of moving as much as I've moved. But being single, you maybe have in common that you're single. But when you, from my observation, and this is just me, 
when I'm watching married folks with kids in the church, there is so much infrastructure. There are so many things going on. There are so many things happening. It's really easy to travel through all of that, experience all of that, have these commonalities without actually really building connections. It is so busy. And being single, we're busy people. Generally, I mean, everyone's busy, but the church doesn't give you that same level of busyness. There's activities. It just is a different experience. And so at least for me, I ended up really gravitating to the people that I connected with um, and built some really deep friendships. I don't know that that's everyone's experience, Mm -hmm. but that's definitely been my experience. And so those friendships have stayed with me wherever I've gone. So when I left the church, I didn't feel like I was worried about the community in Hong Kong, but I was never worried about my friendships. There were some things that were a little scary in the fear of just what would happen when I shared that I had left the church. Right. Mm. And I think everyone goes through that, but it was never a matter of worrying that my friends wouldn't be my friends anymore and that we didn't have things in common or things to talk about. I'm curious, you know, have you sought to build other friendships outside of Mormonism? And what has that felt like emotionally as you have tried to go out and cultivate and create new friendships as a post-Mormon? Um, I don't know that I've actively tried and sought out with taking cooking classes or with meeting people at work. I've definitely made some attempts and I've definitely made some friends who aren't Mormon But it's been a little bit of a struggle because as much as I felt like I didn't belong being Mormon, I also feel like I don't belong not being Mormon. Just because my my life experiences have been so different. Um, And I'm still figuring out so many things socially, not being Mormon. And I've been out for a while now, but but just how I relate to people and the stories that that you tell. Even I went hiking this weekend with three, myself and two other ex-Mormons and one never-Mormon. And it was interesting because the never-Mormon would react to, you know, our experiences and that just the jaw-dropping moments of what our lives have been like, right? And that doesn't ever go away. It's getting better and I feel Mm -hmm. more um, worldly now, (laughs) but it's just, it's just different and and I still, I'm slowly, I would say I'm finally starting to feel like I don't relate to people in this way of, well, I used to be Mormon, like that I can actually start to get to know people without that being context that I give. Um, mm. But it's just, just starting. And it's, it's been really tricky. It's been interesting just also dating and now being with my boyfriend um who was Jehovah's Witness for a while like that was part of what made it a lot easier for us to date was knowing that he could he at least kind of got me on that he, he understands a high demand religion yeah so are are you happy with the with the number and level of friendships that you have in your life that's a very deep question <laughs> i know Um, I am. I feel really happy, I think. And I think I'm getting a lot of different needs met in different ways. The podcast group on Facebook meets a certain need and I have those interactions. I was never a huge, I'm more of an 
Reddit lurker than a participant. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think some of the Facebook groups, I meet the need to really connect with um, and belong to that community. It's more that support group, I would say. And so I have that, but I've, I've had to work so hard my whole life to get what I need from mm. any community or friendships because I didn't, even as a kid, I, my parents divorced. Like I've never fit just the like perfect Mormon mold. And so it's always been work. So I feel like I've gotten really good at that. Um, what I'm getting better at is allowing myself to feel how hard that is. Mm. And the, sorry. Um, I think this is the first time I've cried at recording. Um, and that it's okay that it's hard. I think this idea that I was raised with was it shouldn't be, you know, like you should, whether it's hard or not, you should pretend that it isn't right. And I'm finally allowing myself to go, Oh, this is really hard and it's rewarding. And I have great friendships and it's work yeah. and it should, it, it's okay that it's work. It's not a bad thing that it's work. And you don't know how to do it all. No. Then you got to keep figuring it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Roy, you have a smile in your eyes. I'd love to sort of pick your brain for what you're thinking and also hear a little bit about your experience building friendships and carrying over friendships from your time in the church. I just love what Chloe's saying about feeling the hard and feeling the feelings. I'm a big advocate of feeling what's inside of us because that's what ultimately helps us start to heal and become our healthier person. So I love that, Chloe, that it's okay to be hard. Uh, so friendships. I think I had a lot more. I thought I had a lot more friendships that would stay the course than did. And that mm. was been really, really painful. And I have a couple of friends who you know, luckily we had been friends almost 20 years in this area that even though it was awkward for a little while, that they were willing to step into a couple of hard conversations with me to be able to get to that place where we recognize that we may believe differently, but we still have things in common that we're going through like just midlife and mm -hmm. hard things like that. And that we can still be here and support each other. And I'm so, so grateful for those friends that are willing to step into that place with us. Having my husband leave first and being there for a while, ultimately one of the last church meetings we went to heard some talk, very painful talks about if, if somebody in your family leaves the church, that they're dangerous because they will you know, pull you away and drag you down and you won't be all be able to live in heaven together. And those messages were really damaging when the people who I love the most were at home and, and my spiritual community was telling me that they were dangerous. But it also gives me some empathy and understanding for those friends that just couldn't walk that path with us uh. because they're given that message, you know? So... I'm very much like there's a season of life friendship, like make new friends, but keep the old, right? So yeah. I have a few friends from all of my seasons in life that there's a couple from each season that I've kept in. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And finding new friendships, the, the people 
in the support group. My husband and I have also joined um, about a year ago. We also joined the community of Christ community. Oh, and yeah. so we've also made new friendships there. And, and so I've made a lot of really beautiful new friendships and they're just kind of different because like I said, I step into it being fully myself and authentic. I'm, I'm really working on not trying to put on a, a mask or a face or anything, just trying to be who I am. And, and so those types of friendships that have developed out of stepping into a place with that have been so far seem to be very different types of friendships, just deeper conversations and also support right there with you for support when you need it. I'd love, I'd love that also insight that you shared that stepping in as yourself and stepping in as authentically as you can has led to some much deeper friendships. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Um, Roy, when you were talking about, you know, understanding your friends who did chose not to associate with you anymore or whatever it was based on what they're told by the church, right? Or whatever it is. It was interesting because I was thinking about my own friends and how they've stayed the course and how I think, and it goes back to the single piece, I think almost being single, we have learned, I learned as a single person to have a, a lot of cognitive dissonance just all the time with church things. And I wonder if that's been something that's made it easier for my still very active friends to be friends with me because we just have been more comfortable with it. I don't know that that's true or not. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense because I think that you, like you said, there's cognitive dissonance. And you're not necessarily living in the box, right? Just just what's going on, and that's kind of a nice thing with your friendships that they can last through that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, I love to hear your experience with friendships. <sighs> I almost don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I have almost a, I mean, I guess it's, it's a complicated relationship with friendships in mm-hmm. the sense of being an extrovert. I love being around and being with people. But at the same time, I think what I really truly crave are the, that handful of really close friends that I, no, I can always turn to. We get along. There's just, it's someone that you just connect with so well. Like that, that is something that, that I, I crave. And honestly, I think I was craving that even before I went through this process and something that I, I struggled with of finding those friends. I, I tend to be fairly good at finding, I guess, that broader sense of community and finding people, you know, a, a, a group of people that I can go, hang out with and I fit in with and you know it's fun and it's good. But what I crave is is the are those closer relationships where I in some on some level depend on them and knowing that they like they're reciprocating, that they feel that same way about me. And that's something that I I think that's part of why I want community is it's it's kind of that breeding ground to find those closer relationships and that's something that i've craved and i have not i've had i've had a very difficult time doing and i think honestly a lot of that though comes from the stage of life that i'm in where with two young children 
I don't have time. I just simply don't have time to put into those kind of relationships right now. And it's been coming to terms with that and being able to accept like, okay, for right now where I'm at, I'm probably just not, I'm going to have a very difficult time doing that. And so that's something that has been difficult. I think part of that that goes back in for my, my particular, I guess my specific case is in order to develop that kind of a friendship, it really needs to be a couple's friendship. They need to be able to be friends with my spouse. Not They don't have to be, but it just makes it so much easier. And in order for that to happen, it to me, it feels, and I'm not saying this is necessarily, I can't in any way speak for, for my spouse, but I, I, I feel like the only way for that to work is for it to be someone from the ward, um, which I've, I've made good inroads and I've got a couple people in our current ward where I, for me, I'm feeling like this is promising. I, there's potential here, but it is still wanting to find, you know, also find people that share my experience that have shared, that have gone through a faith crisis, having gone through that experience of having your worldview ripped out from underneath you and having to rebuild that from the ground up and how terrifying and painful that is. And, it, it's difficult to, to do. As a moderator, I typically don't share my story, so this is a little bit unorthodox. But I found myself, again, getting emotional as you started talking about that craving for friendships and craving for those people that you can turn to. Um, my kids are a little bit older than yours, about five or so years. And um, I remember that stage when I had no time and I was looking for friendships. And similarly, I... Um, I still find myself in a place where I have a handful of male friendships and they're like Roy talked about. They're the friends from previous epics of my life, right? I have a handful of those, but I don't have any current friends. I don't have anyone in my current life that is operating in that space. And I am craving that, right? Like I have spent the past three to four years even down to picking a certain guy and telling my wife I felt like I was dating someone, you know, seeing if there was something there for us to build a friendship. Um, so I, 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 I get that. Like I really, really relate to that struggle and that pain and that, and that wanting for a friendship. Roy? I just have a question for both of you. I'm just wondering if, Within the Mormon community, did you feel like you had that in there as well? Because I know at least a lot of leadership meetings I heard men and women both were feeling very lonely within the ward. And so I'm just wondering, was that something you were able to create within Mormonism and it was lost? Or is that just kind of as you're coming out, you're realizing the importance of male friendships? You know, I think for me, like I said, in my ward in, in Utah, I, I didn't have that at all, and I think that's that. It was really difficult for me. I I did have. I, there have been wards I've been in where I've been able to develop friendships, and I've got you know one one guy from we. He was the member, or he was the finance clerk. I was the membership clerk, and we're great friends to this day. You know that that's one of those friendships that survived me stepping away from my faith. It, it is difficult. And that's where, like I say, like, up, like right now with where I am right now, I've got, there's a, there's a guy in, in my ward right now that I feel like I'm, I'm starting to maybe get to that point with, but 
it's difficult to do. Roy, I would say that if I look back at my 20 years post-mission, right, I have two guy friends from, actually, no, I only have one guy friend from church that I um, I feel like became that sort of deep type of friend that I could really turn to. But I would say definitely my ward in Seattle that I lived in for almost 10 years, um, I never... I never got a friend out of there. Like I, I don't have a friend that I've, I've carried on from there. So have I? Yes, very infrequently. Um, and it's 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 now the struggle of I, I sit here like I, I I literally have like searched for like Craigslist style ads of like 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 I actually have searched for articles on how to meet like dude friends online looking for. Like, no, there's no Craigslist. What's the replacement to like find someone that you just want to like hang out, go to movies with, and see if you're both interested in the same types of K pop, the most <laughs> important thing in the world, right? And Animal Crossing, which is my other yes. great love right now. Did that answer your question, Roy? Yeah, it did. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking in my head how much is Mormonism and how much is just American and patriarchal culture as well. Because yeah. I don't know if any of you have seen the mask you live in, but just just kind of listening to this just is making me think about the importance of of friendships for everyone of all different mm-hmm. genders. And I'm grateful we're all on this path trying to learn how to create good friendships. <laughs> yeah. There's some really interesting themes that have been coming out in this discussion that I just I wanted to call out and um, see if any of you had w- which one of these resonate the most with you um, and which of these maybe you want to add something about like we've we've been talking a lot about belonging the need to belong and and the idea of what is a support group versus a community uh, and about the authenticity of connections but then also like the it's been interesting to see how the different personality and life circumstances have complicated or eased things. Maybe inside Mormonism, when you fit the mold, it's a little easier, but outside and you've got to worry about a mixed faith couple relationship, it gets more complex. And then family versus friend relationships and and gender considerations. This is a lot, you guys. Like <laughs> this is a lot. Right? We're not talking about something that's like easy and oh, there's just like these one or two things we got to play with. These are all big things. And there's a lot of big things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's where this can feel so overwhelming and so discouraging to try and figure out how do I do this. But I think it's important to also recognize that for the I mean, we're all so different that there's not going to be a cookie cutter, one size fits all answer. Of, mm-hmm. This is how you go about building a community, or this is how you go about finding and making long lasting, deep friendships. It is, it's trial and error. It's, you've got to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, there, I think there are definitely tools that can help make that process less painful. I couldn't have paid you to write a better transition to the practical section of our episode, Sam. And what's paining me is I want to check in with Roy and Chloe to see if they have anything else they want to add before we go to the practical piece. Sam and Chloe, anything else you want to add to this idea of lots of big themes around community and friendships? Roy? 
Sam said it beautifully. I, the couple of things I thought of will actually go along with the other section. So, okay. <laughs> Chloe, I think it is so complex. There's so much overlap. I loved Roy's question about both you and Sam finding friendships because I think it's just different between men and women or, and we're being very gender normative, but Mm -hmm. there are differences, right? And so it is so complex and there's so many factors and you add this big, huge one of we should have or could have figured some of this out in our 20s when everyone else was figuring it out that it just can feel so overwhelming. One of the things that I wish we had time to do in the podcast was to share even more stories, right? Like we found that if you have more than three people sharing the story, their story, it gets overwhelming in a single episode. Um, and so while we there are many perspectives we haven't hit, I do believe that these these things we've touched on of authenticity, connection, belonging, um, how things get complicated, they really, they do cross all of our experiences and the different flavors that even the four of us are facing here today. Um, and so as we go through our individual unique experiences, trying to figure out community and friendship, it's good to remember that number one, we're not alone in this. There are other people going through it. And number two, there are some big things that are hard that once we identify, we can talk about and start to find ways forward. And I think that's the perfect transition to the practical part of the episode where we talk about what are some of the things that you were glad you did? Let's start positive first. I want to do a quick round, Robin. What were some of the things that you were glad you did? around community and friendships. And then in a minute, we'll talk about the things that you were you wish you maybe hadn't done. All right? Roy, do you want to kick us off today? First, I just want to say, whenever I hear someone say, you're not alone, I want to break out into that EFY song. You know, you're not alone. Do you know that song? Me too. I, was, I almost did. I was like, if I do this... The number of times We've that there are outtakes of people singing the song. In fact, those of you who are Patreon supporters, at a certain level, you get access to a parody song that Michaela brilliantly wrote lyrics to, to the tune of You're Not Alone. Awesome. <laughs> I need to go and, and listen to that. And it may be called You're Not Enough. So Aww. go check it out. Go check it out. <laughs> Support us on Patreon. Okay. Yeah. Um, you want me to answer? So what What were you glad you did? I'm really glad that I did some inner work to be able to sit in tough conversations with family and friends through all of this. Because trying to keep relationships that were willing to move forward with me was worth the effort to do that. And Mm -hmm. we both had to do some work to do that. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I was just was brave and was willing to explore and try new things and try new ideas. And, and also I'm grateful that we opened our hearts to all of Puget Sound and just didn't keep it on the East side. (laughs) All right. How about you, Sam? What are some of the things that you were glad you did? I'm glad that I took the time to find an existing community and then try and build on that myself. In my case, it was this this meetup community. 
and able to use that as a springboard for me to start building what I personally needed. Yeah. How about you, Chloe? A couple of things. One is doing it on my timeline, right? Just, mm. just allowing myself the time to stay in the community as long as I did, because it's what I needed at the time. And then also when it comes to friendships too, not that I think people should prolong telling people, but Brene Brown has some thought around, you know, be vulnerable, but choose who you're vulnerable with, right? Mm. You don't throw your, I mean, the the phrase that comes to mind is throwing your pearls before swine. Mm -hmm. And that I, I figured that piece out and was very thoughtful about who I was vulnerable with, who I shared my story with and who I didn't. And I think sometimes I had moments where, especially because I value authenticity so much that I felt like if I wasn't telling my whole story, I wasn't being authentic, but they aren't the same thing. Mm -hmm. And you can be authentic Mm -hmm. and not tell your whole story, if that makes sense. And I think that was really important for me to figure out was I could still be authentic without throwing my pearls before. And I don't even want to say swine because that's not fair to those people. It just, you have different relationships with different people. You're in different places. And so choosing who I share my story with and when was really important to me. Building off of that, that brought up something that I think really resonated with me of this idea of you don't have to share everything in order to be authentic. And I think that's something that I, it has taken me time to figure out, but in my unique situation of essentially being an active Mormon going to church every week, I can still be my authentic self, even in that setting. It's just learning how to control and limit basically the information that is, and I think that's what has made it possible for me to make it through that experience is figuring out. And a lot of that comes down to the people in my ward are fantastic and have not pushed anything, but it's learning how to, how to do that, to not, to, to feel like I don't have to share that. Oh, I don't believe in this anymore to still be authentic and love these people and be able to feel some of that love in return. I hadn't really connected that dot until he said that. I'm like, Oh, well that, I think that's kind of what I've been doing. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. So last question before we move to our wrap up and takeaways. What shouldn't you done or what do you wish you'd done? Chloe? I would say as I think about my different friendships, that those ones, those people who I was really close to, I didn't necessarily trust some of them enough as quickly, you know, I just talked about being careful about who you're vulnerable with. Now I'm going to go to the flip side and say, at the same time, you can wait too long. And I think had, had things not gone well, when I told some of my friends I was leaving, it wouldn't change. Like whether I waited or I didn't wait, I don't know that it would have changed the outcome. And I, I had a lot of angst over that. And it's kind of like that whole concept of ripping the bandaid off. I, in some cases, I wish I'd ripped it off sooner. Mm-hmm. So that would be maybe one thing. What about you, Sam? I think for me personally, one of them would be there were some, I do have some friendships that I had developed before all of this happened for me. One in particular that, although I still have the friendship, and I think it's probably just about as strong, I, I felt the need to 
explain myself and because I, I don't think he had any idea that what I had been through. So I felt the need like, oh, I've got to, I've got to A, let him know that I no longer believe. And then I have to justify it completely mm. and utterly. And we had, we went out to dinner and had this big, long, drawn out conversation and it, it was uncomfortable. And I'm like, I handled that. I handled that really, really poorly. And I wish that I maybe would have approached that a little bit differently. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. What about you, Roy? Oh, a couple of things. So I think I originally attributed, I got to repent because I think I originally attributed some things directly to Mormonism that I have found are not about Mormonism. It's actually just being in community with people. So, like, <laughs> so going back to how like complicated and complex this all is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like things like people maybe not listening to you in your opinion, right? Or people not doing the things the way you want them to, or try people getting offended, you know, and, mm -hmm. and just, just especially trying to hold that really open space on pilgrims for that. It has been a struggle and I'm sure my husband and I could go back and do it a little bit differently. Maybe have more moderation question. We don't have any questions. People can just join on there. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a big statement at the top. That's like, this is what this community is about. But there was at one point we were trying to, you know, there were some people putting some things on there that were, they were in a lot of pain, but mm -hmm. their wording choices were hard, especially for those in mixed faith marriages or those who were still attending on the page, it was kind of starting to scare them off. So moderating mm -hmm. a space like that. And so we tried to moderate some of those comments. And then those people that were hurt were like, well, if there's space for everybody, then there's space for our hurt too. There's space for our pain. And, and I validated that. Like, I understand that. So we've just really had to walk that fine line in there. And I'm sure we could have done a better job at that. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. The other area, I think I just, I think I just regret in general, not really regret, but just think kind of looking back now, telescope view, I've had a few friends that friendships have been rekindled with recently that it was awkward after we left, but some, some tragedies and other things have happened mm -hmm. and our friendships have just gotten closer again. And it just kind of brings you back to think, I'm so stupid to let beliefs or, differences or things like that just kind of, I guess, get in the way. So I wish, um, and I hope that I learned from that to just not let those things get in the way of friendships kind of as we go from here on out. I think that is such a beautiful summary of our discussion, Roy, that not every difficult thing is because of Mormonism that there are tough things in communities and that not every piece of belief has to influence our friendships, that there are connections that are deep and real and true that regardless of where we are with Mormonism are still there. Roy, as you were, as you were speaking, one thing that really resonated with me that I'm realizing once again, now going through this process and talking through this with someone, this idea of creating a community, something that can be, really important is to have a specific goal or something that you're building this around. That is something that I do regret 
is with what I've done so far with kind of trying to build off of this meetup group is I've had absolutely no direction. It's been very much like the idea of, oh, build it and they'll come and we'll just figure it out as we go along, which was kind of working, but it has the potential to cause problems because if you don't have that that guidance and that direction to begin with, it then opens up this space of people then assume that this is one thing and someone else over here assumes it's something different. And then when those don't meet up, you know, heartache is just like the unmet expectation of like, oh, I, I failed as a community organizer because I didn't have something, I didn't present of this is our goal, this is our purpose, this is what we're trying to accomplish with this. And because I didn't have that kind of vision in mind, it potentially has caused pain for people that I deeply have felt and regret. Not to scare anyone off from wanting to start or organize a community, but just this something to know that if it starts to grow in these things, if you don't have direction and purpose, it can run away from you and it can cause some some pain. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. At the end of every Wordless episode, we ask our panelists to share the one thing that they hope listeners take away from hearing their story today. And Sam, I'd love to kick it off with you, then Chloe, and then Roy. Even though finding community can feel overwhelming and daunting, please don't let that stop you from trying. Don't let that stop you from reaching out and potentially, if you feel like it's right, getting out of your comfort zone because there are other people out there who need your community as well, that you can be that community for them. Thanks, Sam. Chloe? Yeah, I think building on what Sam was saying is really taking time to think about what you need at a certain point in time to think, what kind of community do you need? What what kind of friendships do you need? What are you ready for? I think one of the really hard things for me, leaving Mormonism has been that everything's been dictated to me in terms of like, here's how to figure it out. And even coming into like some of the ex-Mormon communities, there's been a lot of, you should do this, you should do that. And here's my should, and I'm going to should you is you should figure out what you need for you. And it might look like what it looks like for other people. And it might look very different, but it's really important to get in touch with what you need and figure that piece out. So just one step at a time is fine. Thanks, Chloe. Bring us home, Roy. I just want to tell all the wordless listeners that you are loved and you belong exactly how you are. And so find a place or build a place where you feel that you can belong just as you are. And when you find that space, then you will be able to grow and learn and sprout new leaves and branches. And it's just a beautiful beautiful experience. I'd encourage everybody to not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the hard. And that is it for this episode of the Wordless Podcast. Sam, Roy, Chloe, thank you so much for being a part of our discussion today. I really sincerely enjoyed moderating this group. And Roy and Sam, you really have brought some unique experiences to our podcast panel. So thank you for being here. 
We would love to hear from you listeners about your experiences building friendships and finding communities after Mormonism. Um, we're curious if you if you agree or you disagree or have something useful that you'd like to share with our community. If so, get in touch with us at wardlesspodcast at gmail.com or join the discussion in our Facebook group, The Wardless Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, all the socials by searching Wardless Podcast. You know, and as always, we are so grateful for the sponsors who make this podcast possible. Without them, we just couldn't do what we do. Just just couldn't do what we do. This particular sponsor is, I would say, the people that make the world go round. Because this week we would like to thank extroverts. Because we just don't know when to say enough is enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> But thankfully, you have introverts to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You've been listening to Wardless, a post-Mormon field guide. For more information and for the show notes for this episode, visit wardlesspodcast.com. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the podcast, a topic you'd like us to consider, or if you think you might have a unique perspective to add to an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. And if you found this episode helpful, please consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. But the most helpful thing you can do is share this episode with someone you know. So please share the love and pass on our links. Thanks again for listening. We hope it makes you feel a little less wordless. We try and solve our own problems when they're big. When they're small, we brush them under the table. If we're good Midwesterners, we bottle up the emotions and never (laughs) talk about it. Thank you, Mom, being from Minnesota, right? And I like how Oliver also said earlier that that um, if you build, you know, that if oh, I can't remember now, I blank again. Sorry, guys, (laughs) shutting down. If you build, we're we're at two and a half hours of recording, so your brain is you need food. (laughs) Welcome to the end of the podcast. (laughs) Every end of podcast recordings like this.